Welcome to Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories, written and narrated by Heather Lynn McMillan and copyright 2022. Content warning. The Anturia Diaries prequel stories consistently feature themes of graphic violence, profanity, controversial topics, and sexual content. As such, these podcasts are not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. Some episodes also contain more specific themes which may be triggering. These episodes will feature further content warnings in the notes. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. the northeast region of the continent of Landorus, to Chel de Velglen, more inland in the central line of Landorus, went along primarily uneventful until we reached the community of Thantos. Thantos was a walled community of Kroenglas, who remained a mystery to most of us who lived outside of it. The community was double-walled, the outer walls were open for anyone to travel through, and the people who lived in the community often set up stores and shops along the exterior wall roadways to sell to people passing through or stopping in to stay at one of the inns situated along the outer wall. No one from outside was permitted access down the roads leading into the community. As we drove through, I caught a glimpse of a couple crow and gloss holding up their hands to the guards patrolled at the entrances of the inner wall roads. The community members had a chip embedded in their hands called a gnomon chip that identified them as members of the community. It was as if they were waving with an open palm gesture in greeting to the guards, but my eyes caught a glimpse of some laser light passing quickly by to scan their hand. The guards would nod, and the two crow and glass entered beyond the gates. I glanced over to Kyla, who happened to see the same thing I did. We did know about the gnomonship. This was something not foreign to us on Anturia. I'm not sure I would like to be tagged like an inanimate object, I remarked to Kyla. She nodded. I was thinking the same thing. We sometimes tagged our items with gnomon chips to find things if they got lost. We never had a problem with thievery, so we did not need to tag our items. However, I was generally appalled with the thought of tagging a living being with a digital chip. While the system owners could claim it was secure and protected, I had lived long enough to experience off-worlders who were less than honorable. In the wrong hands, I knew the data to track someone know their comings and goings, their habits, and sometimes even record their conversations was a dangerous path to traverse, never mind to put your trust in fully. I shuddered a little bit from the thought of being trackable like that and tried to get it out of my mind. However, we passed a few more entries along the outer walls and saw others entering the inner part of the city via the same method. The thought irritated my mind for the rest of the journey to Chel de Velglen, but at least we had a reasonably uneventful trip there. We received reports from runners around us of attacks on some of the other capsules carrying surviving council members. They had been ambushed and attacked. Some occupants of those attacks were not so lucky. There was nothing I could do right now other than offer up silent thoughts for a more rewarding journey in the afterlife for those who were lost. Finally, after a very nerve-wracking trip, we reached the gates of Chel de Velglen. 
I could see the strict security in place here, and I did feel a sense of relief at seeing the measures. We should be able to set up a new base here, provided that everyone on the inside was on the same side we were. Securing the Porta Segreta was a secondary matter that could come after we acquired peace. Ending the war was my only desire at this point. Kyla seemed very agitated by the crow and dew as they searched us and our capsule upon our arrival at the gate. I heard her snide remarks to them, but they largely ignored her commentary. We got back in the capsule as they added more guards to our escort and moved us through to the center of the community. Kyla's face as she stared out the window seemed to get harder and harder with every building we passed. Suddenly, I realized that I could not imagine the horror that Kyla must have lived through in those moments the attack began at my house. She had to know she was running to my house to save my family, and at the same time, she was making the conscious choice to leave her family unprotected. She knew if they recognized her, they would go next door and make sure they punished her for fighting to defend our side. As we moved through the community, I exhaled deeply as my gaze shifted from Kyla's hardened face to the buildings where she stared. Things were so quiet here and dark, even though it was the middle of the day. I could not see lights on in any of the windows in the buildings. I rarely saw anyone on the streets other than guards at various checkpoints and intersections throughout the community. I knew little about the governance of Chel de Velglen other than they had a council of their own that the people of the community elected. They were a very close-knit and suspicious group, especially to strangers, so I found myself intrigued that they would entertain the idea of setting up the headquarters of the world government within their walls. It meant that outsiders would be coming and going from this place, opening it up more than it had ever been in the past. My thoughts went to the community citizens that I could not see through the windows. Were they against us or for us? They weren't out here to greet us, but at least they were also not out here trying to attack us or protest our arrival. Our capsule finally stopped outside a strange one-story building that looked like a shack, except for the number of guards standing around it in the square. The planks of the wood walls of the shack looked weathered and needed significant repair. The door showed signs of forced entry recently, and someone mended it with a fresh piece of lumber over the damage. The guards opened our capsule doors, and we all climbed out, eager to stretch our legs and move around more. Kyla didn't say much, and I noticed she still had that hard, angry face. Oswald's terror from yesterday changed over to a quiet shock. He kept busy with work conversations with others during the journey or writing things down. Work was the only thing that could keep him functioning at this point, and I knew I would need to give him work to do so he could survive this mentally. Dalfia stretched her arms up to the sky before me, and I proceeded to mimic her doing the same. She turned to me. They will be coming here to greet us and take us to our new headquarters. They have offered theirs to us. I am confident they are a hundred percent on our side. Someone in particular has deceived us for many years, but I will fill you in once we are settled inside in a quiet space. Her voice was barely audible and intended for me only. I nodded and brought my arms back down to my sides. A group of twenty crow and do wearing black combat garb poured almost comically out of the single battered and repaired wooden door. 
Humans might describe it as many clowns running out of a small car, except these beings were no clowns. They were highly skilled and brilliant leaders and killers both. I recognized them immediately from the fighting circuits. I could even name some of them as I had come up against them in one-to-one combat in tournaments. Some I had managed to win against, but I had lost to over half of them at some point. I didn't lose against many others outside of this group standing in front of me now. The council members from my capsule, along with the council members from other capsules, lined up across from the line of Crowindus in front of the little dilapidated shack. Kyla stood behind me to my right, still looking grim and brutal at those across from us. Everyone seemed to be waiting on someone else to speak first, so as the council's new leader, I decided it should be me. I stepped forward slightly from my line and inclined my head respectfully to them. Kaivarkian. I greeted them in their preferred manner. I am honored to be here with you, and we are grateful for any support you can provide to us. The air around me earlier felt tense, but I felt some of that tension ease as I spoke. The Chell de Velglen council members were waiting to see if I would start barking orders as Malaith would have done, or if I would greet them more humbly. Evidently, I made the correct choice. Their stances relaxed, and one of them stepped forward. It was a female named Awir. I recognized her because I had lost to her a few times in the arenas. She was so stunning and beautiful, it was impossible to forget her. Her hair was dark and wavy, down past her shoulders and to her waistline, and her eyes were gold-flecked with dark red. Her build was slender but highly muscular, and you could see the definition of those muscles through her battle gear that clung tightly to her body as she moved. She had a long, thin bottom lip and a slightly thicker upper lip with a perfect dip in the center. As I looked at her, those burgundy-painted lips curved into a welcoming smile that penetrated through all the grief and the darkness that I felt inside. Her smile broke the dam, the dam that was holding back hope, love, and joy in these last several hours. I was in good hands. I knew it now. Kaivarkian, my friend. She reached out to grasp my hands. Bryn, I am so relieved to see you. We kept hearing of attacks along the road, and I feared for the worst. I sent my own troops out to find you and circle all around your team as you traveled the rest of the way. I sighed. Almost a laugh. So you're why we had a pretty uneventful journey. Of course. I knew you all had to get here alive, as I have no desire or intention to lead the Council of Elders. It's enough to be in charge of one community. I'll leave the planet to you. Come, we will go inside and show you and your council and guards to their quarters. I suspect, she glanced to Kyla's bloody clothes, everyone is exhausted and needs cleaning up. Afterward, you can all go to the dining hall to eat whenever you have rested enough. What happened here? I asked her, following her through the rickety old wooden door. When the Civil War broke out, we had our hands pretty full also. She said it without emotion and did not elaborate. I quirked my brow. Apparently. I was perplexed at how we would fit inside this little tiny building to sleep, clean, eat, and never mind live. But as soon as we entered through the door into a long hallway, I began to understand. My eyes adjusted to the lack of light in the hallway of a room. Honestly, that's all it was. A hallway with many staircases leading down. I had heard rumors that some sects of Crow and Dew had created whole communities underground, but no one had ever seen one. 
As we walked down the stairs, my mouth gaped open at the expanse of the great hall we entered. It was well lit, and the walls and floor were all the most brilliant, white-speckled marble. There were massive columns and arches throughout the great hall, and hundreds of crow and dew moved in all directions. There were doors along the outskirts of the hall. Some appeared to be residential doors, while others were stores with windows looking into the stores showing their products. I noticed that none of my party that traveled with me had been commenting to anyone around them anymore, just like I was not conversing with a weir anymore. We were all simply too stunned. I looked back to Kyla, who stayed close and protective to me from the moment I began to move, and Dalphia, who did much of the same thing, and both had faces filled with wonder. None of us imagined these renegade Crow and Dew communities were like this. None of us had ever been to a community like this, even the Crow and Dew that we had left in our council. The underground community of Chel de Velglen was so large it seemed to go on forever. After about 15 minutes of walking, we ended up outside a set of very ornate double doors. They opened at our approach by guards from the inside, and we all filed inside. This building, or whatever you want to call it, was like a castle on the inside. There was no shortage of space, hallways, rooms, and more. Crow and Dew guards escorted each of my parties to their rooms and suites. Aweer motioned me forward to our own suite. She said, I have a large suite reserved for you and those you require to be close to you. She turned to eyeball Kyla and Dalphia, who were still protectively standing behind me. I looked back at them and then back to Aweer with a grin. Yes, apparently there will be three of us staying in my suite. Aweer nodded and then bowed to leave us in our suite. There were about six bedrooms off the main room, and each had its own lavatory, and there was a central bathing house. On Anturia, we considered bathing a social activity, as it was with the Romans on Earth, I learned later. Once a weir left, and the three of us chose which rooms would be ours, Kyla said she would bathe and change into fresh clothes they had already provided in our rooms. I sat down in the main room on a couch across from where Dalphia sat, as I knew we had things to discuss and catch up on before I could bathe and eventually sleep. There would be a lot of decisions to make once I awoke, and I needed this private time with Dalphia to understand all that I missed in my grief. For listening to Season 1, Episode 5, The City of Darkness, from the Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcast subscription apps or at anturia.org. Season 1, Episode 6, Betrayal in the Darkness, is where a secret is revealed about a possible traitor in the midst of the Council. Stay tuned. <laughs>